Before we start this show, just a word from our sponsor. 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest that pro wrestling has had to offer. Along with their awesome line of pro wrestling apparel, they do offer many services. In the world of wrestling, there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads. Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. If you would like to discuss possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or whatever, drop them a line. Go to 20 by 20 apparel. That's the number 20 X, the number 20 apparel.com. Now let's get to the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bum me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yell about it though. You see me shining like a suit on puppy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kids, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And on Fresh of the Word, we like to deliver wisdom through great stories from the minds of bright creatives of pop culture. Through those stories, we like to dissect the journey of our guests and present actionable lessons and advice for our listeners, no matter what career or avenue of artistry they pursue. And before we get into this episode, I want to give a shout out to Knox Money, Bang Belushi, and Foulmouth for the theme music for Fresh is the Word. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can always go to freshisthepodcast.com and just share any of the links for any of the episodes on any of your social media platforms. And also, you can subscribe to Fresh is the Word pretty much anywhere that podcasts are streamed. And that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, pretty much everywhere. And please, rate and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It would definitely help out the show. If you want to contact me, you can always reach me by email at djkfresh at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at kfresh is the word and on facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh and you can also follow fresh is the word on twitter at fresh is the word and that's is with iz instagram at fresh is the word podcast and facebook at facebook.com slash fresh is the podcast and this is episode 173 the guest for this episode is japan-based freelance pro wrestler alex lee she got her start training under the former WCW and WWE wrestler Lance Storm. As we talk about in this episode, Alex Lee 
details how she got interested in wrestling, transitioning from her bank job, and her time learning from Storm, along with her journey in wrestling from WWE's developmental promotion, FCW, to her past seven years in Japan in promotions like Reina, Oz Academy, and Sendai Girls. We also talk about the history of Joshi and what the future could be like. Before we get into this interview with Alex Lee, just want to remind you how you can support Fresh of the Word. Fresh of the Word is on Patreon at patreon.com slash fresh of the word. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help out with Fresh of the Word and everything that I'm trying to do. And for the $3 a month tier, you have access to the Patreon-only podcast episodes of Fresh of the Word, where I dig deep into my audio archives of interviews that I've done outside of Fresh of the Word that I've interviewed for the past decade or so. Um, I have some really good ones up right now. So go to patreon.com slash fresh of the word and look at all the tiers that are available. There are some tiers where you can be a part of the, uh, the podcast. So uh, please, once again, go to patreon.com slash fresh the word if you want to support fresh the word all right let's get on to the interview with japan-based freelance pro wrestler alex lee i've been really into the you know the japanese wrestling uh scene you know both uh you know the men and the women you know really love the the joshi scene out there so um oh. definitely i was been uh following you know been familiar with you for a couple of years now and oh, thank you. um so it's, it's cool to you know be able to talk with someone out there because um most people don't speak english <laughs> right <laughs> so uh it's, it's finally cool to be able to talk with someone who's a part of that um and you know just looking at uh some of the information that's online about you uh you definitely uh you know wrestling is definitely taking you around the world um with um you know being in uh, fcw and training with uh, lance storm so like you know what first got you into like wanting to be a wrestler uh, <laughs> um i never really have a good answer for that question because it's very simple um well, honestly, I was a fan. I was a fan of wrestling, and long story short, I was very miserable in my life, professionally. Well, personally as well, but professionally speaking, I, I had a great job. I was a banker. I was a property development and property investment banker. Yeah. Kind of during the credit crisis, and, you know, at the risk of sounding ungrateful, it was a really hard time financially for a lot of people because most people were losing their jobs. They were being made redundant and it was a hard time all around and I had this great job Yeah. Uh, that I just really, I just couldn't, it, it, was, it was a struggle waking up every morning and kind of, it just didn't fit in the sense of, it didn't really feel like what I was meant to be doing in life. And then wrestling is very, it just kind of became like a calling. Well, it's not kind of became like a calling. It was a calling. Like, it was something I had to do, if that makes any sense. Right. When something just calls to you, it just calls to you. Like, it just pulls you. It was it Wrestling was something that I could not do. So I just kind of snapped one day and quit everything and moved to Canada. <laughs> 
you know, what was that kind of process like just finally, like, like you said, you just snapped? Because there's a lot of people that would are in that sort of same position in life where they just can't take their their job anymore. And a lot of people just don't have the courage to make that big life life change, you know, sort of, you know, what was your process going through that? Well, I think it's, you know, my job was actually, it wasn't my job. It was the fact that it could have been anything except wrestling. I would have felt the same. So, uh, you know, I make it sound like my job was the grandest of all evils and it wasn't. <laughs> I had a great boss. I had a great boss who really he knew what I wanted to do. He knew I really wanted to do wrestling, and at the time, I was kind of like, I lived in Queensland, and it's kind of, you know, now there is, got to remember, like, this is like 2009 and eight is kind of when I, I wasn't training, but I was a very heavy fan in the sense of, like, trying to do a lot of research, trying to figure out how to be, like, religiously following as much as I could. Um, at the time is, is when the credit crisis and everything was happening. So in Queensland, you couldn't just go where I was living at the time, and I'm pretty sure it's still the same now, though I wouldn't know I've been in Japan for so long. I don't really know what's happening outside of Japan. Um, but you couldn't really just go and train after your work was done and then wrestle on the weekends and pursue it like that. So it wasn't really an option. Um, and in terms of how I did it, it was just... I I went to this training session in Queensland. It was like in someone's backyard, right? Right. And, and the ring was like it was it was like a legit ring, but it was in someone's backyard. And there was this guy from Japan. He he was there for one day doing a seminar, and um, I don't even remember his name anymore, to be honest. But we were just doing roles and things, and all there was a lot of indie guys there. I was the only girl, and they were all talking about Lance Storm has a school. Lance Storm has a school a camp in Calgary, and you know it's a real, real camp, and they train every day. And obviously, Lance Storm's awesome. So, right. Um, and he's also kind of like a serious person in the sense of like, when Lance does something, he does it right. Right. So That's Lance Storm. Yeah, we all know that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, which, which, you know, when I say that, is not giving it as much credit as it's due because in wrestling there's so much BS yeah. that when you, he's kind of like a brand that you know you can rely on, <laughs> for yeah. lack of a better term. So, and he was in Canada. So I just went home and they were all just talking, you know, oh, we all want to go with Lance's. Lance's, 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 Lance's is the best, blah, blah, blah. I went home and I just emailed Lance and I was like, you know, I just gave him some stats and I want to come to your school and he emailed me back and explained kind of like how they trained a little bit and the, the deposit, send your money over and then and then that was it. And then I remember the day I went to the mailbox and I mailed the, the deposit because you had, to, like, you had to do money orders at the time, right? Meaning like you go to the bank and you buy like, however much it was in Canadian dollars and they, the bank writes a check right. land, and then I mail that and then that reserves my seat, right? So I had to go to the post office and do that manual thing where like you couldn't, you know, nine years later you just do that online, right? You just PayPal them. Well, I don't even know how you pay them, but I'm <laughs> sure there's an easier way now. So um, I remember standing at the post box and I was like in my suit and I was about to walk back to work and I remembering like that moment of, 
before I put the mail, the envelope in, through the mail in the mailbox, like that was the, the second of like, I think it was something like eight hundred Canadian dollars or something like that, where I put this through. I mean, it's done. Then you're committed, right? Because I sent the money. Basically, I can't reach back to the mailbox and get it out. <laughs> right. Um, and then from that moment, I had to go and just quit everything in a sense of like, quit my job, my relationship, my life, you know, my life in Australia, basically. Because I was always going to Canada for a year at least. I had a work, I was, I was getting a working visa for Canada. Yeah. And then Lances was going, originally it was just going to be three months, but I actually did three camps with him. But my intention at the time was to do his camp and then try and just see what happens from there. Try and get as much booking and as much training as I could. Because Canada to me seemed like a better place for wrestling. In terms of what to say to people that are struggling, uh, look, it's it's a real fine line that are struggling to make that decision, I should say. It's a real fine line between listening to your own inner voice and instinct and yeah. crazy. Like, it's a real fine line. So I guess if something is at a point where it's unbearable for you not to do it, then you have to do it. That's That's my advice. <laughs> Did, did any of those other guys that were in that backyard um, do anything? Not to my knowledge. No. <laughs> so you're the only one that was like, screw it, I'm doing this. Yeah, I mean, there were, it was almost like, I don't know what you believe in, but it was almost like some sort of sign from the universe, a cosmic thing where, for me, I don't really get subtle signs from God. I get smacked around the head. Like... <laughs> You know when people like they talk about, oh, this is so cool. It was like universe gave me a sign. It's like something really, like some really cool story. You know, like kismet or like some sort of wild synchronicity. For me, it's like, bitch, do this kind of thing. Like I guess it's my personality where I am naturally such a skeptic that you like it has to be a giant flashing neon light sign for me to understand. Maybe I'm just stupid, but you know. Um, they were talking, and I'm like, I, I knew who Lance was, but I didn't really know him. You know, I can't say that I was like this super knowledgeable Lance Storm fan, and I definitely didn't know he had a school in Calgary. So it was more like they were all talking about it. They were, they were like, the one day I was training in his backyard, everyone's talking, they're talking, Lance Storms, Lance Storms, and we want to go to Lance Storms. And, and they seem to have a lot of information, and, I'm, and I just like, that was like the whole thing that everyone talked about during the day and then I so I had to kind of go home and follow up on it. And then when you like at the time looking through his website and stuff and how he talks, it's very um, very re refreshing. You get a real sense of who Lance is just by going through his website. Where he's very much no nonsense. Right. You know, I I'm good at this and I will teach you this and that's exactly what that means. Like it's it's not coming from a place of arrogance. He's just he he's an amazing coach. So um, no, none of those guys, to my knowledge, ever did anything. They certainly never get went to Lances. <laughs> How no? What was it like getting acclimated in Canada out there in Calgary? Um, so Calgary's at an altitude, and I came for the May session, and I got there a few days before trading started. So. The altitude was a little like, oh my god, why am I, like, breathing heavily, walking on the streets? <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't really, I didn't really understand. And then Lance was like, oh, altitude. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and then 
I've, well, I've been an athlete in high school. At that point, I hadn't really done any sports for a long time, in a sense of, like, seriously, if that makes sense. Right. Um, and then it was a bit of, like, naivety, and I get I guess beginner's luck as well. And there's something about, like, not really knowing what you're getting into in the beginning that kind of makes it a good thing, because if you know just how, how hard it's going to be and how... Um, how difficult it is, you just quit. Like, you wouldn't do it, you know? Like, right. When you think about it, if you're a banker and you're quitting a job in the middle of credit crisis and you're, you know, you, you're giving up this whole life to go to an entire new country and do something so way out of the left field, <laughs> like, you know, that's kind of wild. I mean, you're stacking up the odds against you in a sense. So, But he's very good about, you know, I'm sure he's still the same, but when I was there, he, if he said we're doing this, it means he's doing this with us. We're doing this cardio drill. He, he t- does every bump, every lockup. Okay. So every time something he teaches you something, Lance does it with you. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. If he's, he, you know, if we, for example, if we're learning body slams, he gives you the first body slam. He takes the first body slam off you. So, and he's just technically perfect. So, you know, that that made it easier, I guess. Like, I was really kind of spoiled in the sense of wrestling training that he set a standard of, oh, okay, wrestling training is like this, which it isn't. Lance is very much the exception to every rule. But he, because of how well he, how professionally he runs the camp and how good he is at it, that made it easier, if that makes sense. But... It was hard. It was really hard. I remember running the ropes the first time, and the next day, like my black, my back was like black and blue and purple and all <laughs> shades of rainbow. And not, you know, I was living in the rental house. He has a rental house, and it was me and four, five other wrestlers, right? And there's like five of us living in this five or four, five or six. Craig, Jordy, Kevin, Matt. So five of us. Sorry. Um, and next day we just woke up and like nobody can move, <laughs> you know. I just standing there on the kitchen going, "Fuck, this hurts." <laughs> um, and went to training and, and like no one wanted to like touch the ropes, you know. So um, and that was really that, that. I think like as in nine years of wrestling, in terms of like the most painful memories that come to mind, I'm sure I've taken things that are like chair shots and things that have hurt much more. But I don't remember them. That is what I remember. Like it's crazy. When you're when you're going through this training with Lance Storm, um, are you learning sort of life lessons along with uh, just the wrestling technical things to sort of live a life as a wrestler? Uh, definitely. But for me, like the first camp, the first three months of training with him, I did a year. So it means like three months on, a month off, because his camp runs for three months and he usually has a month break or four weeks and then he does another three months and then another four weeks break, another three months, right? Right. So, but the first three months for me, he does. Like Lance will give you so much advice and so much life as a wrestler and what it's like being on the road and all of that. But when you're, you got I was brand new and in my camp, I think there's only one guy who was actually actively a worker. All of us were brand new. So, and for me especially, a lot of that 
you know, I'm focusing on how do I lock up, how do I take this bump, how do I run the ropes, you know. A lot of that is harder in a sense of like you have to, when you've never done it before, you have to count your steps across the ring and make sure you turn the right way. And, and that, of course, now I do that. I don't think about doing that. It just comes by osmosis. But at the time, you're just focusing on, you know, <laughs> the, the basics of and, and getting that right and not like you're not really thinking of your first booking. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking of actually matches or anything. I was just trying to get through training, <laughs> you know. Um, but he does, yeah, for sure. You know, you do promo work as well. He he has promo days during the camp where he'll teach you the basics of a promo as well, and that was very eye-opening. Um, one of the funniest, I swear, and people won't believe me, I think, but the greatest promo I've ever heard was, and there's no video footage of this, unfortunately, but it was Lance Storm as Christopher Tiggins cutting a promo on Vinnie the Pooh. <laughs> it was the funniest promo I've ever heard in my entire life. And because he was trying to, like, he, he was, we were all doing promos, and you kind of just line up and do a promo, and it gives you, like, feedback, right? And then giving, and I don't know, one one guy, we called him Tigger because he just had these mad ups. Like, he would just, he would just jump, like, like just launch himself into air without it, you know. He was just crazy. Right. And he kind of, like, he just had this look where he, he had the nickname. And he, I think he did a promo about something about Vinnie the Pooh related. And Lance, like, was to illustrate a point, he starts cutting this promo. And we just started laughing, like, the whole class. We didn't get anything done for, like, an hour. It was the, it was the most funniest thing ever. Um, it's, it's stuff like that. It's like, and you... It's really like a college course for wrestling, the best way of putting it. Right. What was uh, something that you learned, you know, while training to be a wrestler that was sort of transferable to just living life or anybody listening to this interview could sort of, you know, project into their own life? So, so much of this business is mental which is really counterproductive, like it doesn't really make sense to say, but a lot of this is mentally being able to deal with the grind and learning how to, you've got to believe in your own vision and things that nobody else sees and keep moving forward even when you don't see any progress. And that sounds very easy, but it's actually very, very hard to do. Like on a daily basis, that's very hard to do. And with wrestling, it's like what I've learned that I think is transferable for other people to know and, and in my life after wrestling and outside of wrestling is that you just have to, at the end of the day, you have to believe in what you're doing and that it's genuinely coming from you in a sense of like, like let's just take, for example, okay, like if you're, if you're making something creative or you're starting a company or you're creating a creative product, you have you just have to believe in it. Like it has to come from be originally and hundred percent genuinely yours. Meaning like like for example, when I create my costumes and I sketch them out and I have the concept, I never look at anybody else's stuff. Like I never look at any what who else is doing what out there ever. Like I, I pay no attention to what people are wearing. 
I, I, I inherently just go with like, what do I really want to do? What do I really want to represent? What do I want it to look like? Okay. And then of course, for wrestling, of course, you know, I kick, for example, so whatever the thing, the, the, the design I'm going for, it has to have kick pads, and the kick pads have to be leather, so the material that I want has to be workable with leather. So, you know, they're there because I'm a wrestler, right? But I start with what do I want to produce that is inherently mine, and I always go with, like, my max idea, even if it makes no sense <laughs> at all. Like... And that's very hard, but wrestling is a, wrestling and finance, like property development wrestling, in the sense of like how you build the brand, have a lot in common. Because for years, you're just investing money. You're investing money in a project. You're putting money in a project in something that three or four years down the road, you have a vision for succeeding. Like you see this massive hotel existing four years from now in this location that is super popular. People come to, right? But in today's timeline, it's nothing. It's just a dirt. It's it's just a block of dirt, right? Right. And a developer would just pour money into it, pour money into it, pour money into it for years, and then four years later, you see the results of that. And when it works, people are like, "Oh, you're a genius," and blah blah blah. But it's like you, that process between when you're building something and when it eventually eventuates, that grind. Being able to stick with it through that is very hard, and but you just have to you, you have to know that like you, you got to back your own vision. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. When you're molding, when you're creating this look, this persona, this project for yourself, you know, what, what influences it? You know, what are the things outside of wrestling that you're interested in that sort of goes into your art? So I'm interested in a lot, but none of it goes into my art. <laughs> in the sense of like, I, I like live performances. Um, I like, yeah, you know, I like entertainment in general. And uh, tr culture, I really like culture. Like when I travel, um, certain type of clothing and dress, like I, I like history and things like that, but none of it goes into my art. In, I think having, my advice for wrestlers is like, do things that create you and your personality as a person, right? Outside of wrestling, go places, do stuff, experience things, and then come back and go, okay, what do I want to do next? I never, I'm not the type of person to be like, look at a, the current fashion and then go, okay, how can I make this into a wrestling costume? I really, there's it, it, nothing wrong with that. It's just not my process, if that makes sense. Like, oh yeah. It's like, I'm, I, my, my, one of my gowns is like just literally hung up in front of me right now because I'm kind of cleaning out my closet a little bit and I'm just looking at it because I know, I remember like design, having this image of this in my head. But the, it it doesn't. I think the best stuff is the things that were like you just go okay. What what look do we want to do now? What what am I feeling? What do I like? What kind of color do I like? What kind of like what materials do I like? What am I into right now? Type thing. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. But I really think imitation is suicide, and I also think it's kind of lazy a little bit because. I I wanted to be, you know, I, I want to ride or die as myself. 
<laughs> right, right. So yeah, you definitely want to, you know, you really, um, sounds like you're very, you really want to s sort of stand out and just kind of have your own unique look and feel for everything. I do. I absolutely do. And the only way to do that is you literally, I, me, okay. When I, when I say things like the only way to do that or whatever, I'm really just talking about myself and talking about my process. For me, the way to do that is like with a blank piece of paper and a pencil and then you just go from there. And some, you know, I, I just like, I go, I go for things and, and in the sense of like, like completely sketch out the whole idea and then go, okay, well, is this actually going to stay on in a ring? You know, and then from there, I ha usually have to make some adjustments because, I like you can't. You're just limited a little bit in the in the sense of what you can do with Leica, for example, and stuff has to stay on. And wrestling isn't like other things where if I was a singer and dancing on a stage, I could probably do you know do more stuff than I can wrestling because physically it just won't survive. <laughs> A twenty-minute match in Japan. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you. That's the. I only, but I only start limiting it at that point. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I, I'll, I'll put my creative idea exactly how I want it, and a lot of sometimes some of it is impossible because I know that if I did a drop kick or I kick someone in this, like it'll just come off. <laughs> For, and so then we go. Okay, well, how do I just? modify it a little bit where it's still my idea, but it just works in, in the ring. And it's also not something that I have to think about because it's kind of like an unspoken rule in Japan as well, where you never touch your costume while you're wrestling. And it's, I absolutely believe in that because I think it just makes it look like you're not serious and you're fake. So uh, that's, that's something I have to take into account. So, I mean, the costume thing is just, I guess, like an obvious creative thing about my business. And also because my gown is right in front of me, so I guess it's prompting me to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, after, you know, after you train with uh, Lance Storm, you're on this journey where um, you spent some time in the WWE developmental in uh, FCW. And then you would um, go, looks like you'd go back to Australia and then also go to Japan. Sort of, you know, what was that experience, you know, post-training when you were just sort of, uh, you know, starting your, you know, wrestling career? You know, how was that, you know, what, looking back, you know, what was sort of your, your thoughts and feelings for all, you know, during those years? Um, so I was in Canada. So I did one camp and then I had August off and then I did another camp. And then uh, in December, I went to OVW. And then January or February, something like that. Uh, maybe it was earlier. Because like by 2000, early 2011, I, I forget this timeline, but I, I, I did two, like two camps with Lance's, right? Two of Lance's camps. And then I went to OVW for a tryout well, not a tryout, an OVW for a seminar. And from there, I got an FCW tryout. And then I came back from FCW tryout and to the third camp in Calgary, right? So it was my last training wrestling camp with Lance. And then I, during that camp, I was signed. I was on the contract and I was going through my visa process and that whole deal. So I was just getting ready to go to FCW. Um... 
So, yeah. And then from the I went to FCW and I came to Australia, but I was only in Australia. I was in Florida a little bit after FCW, but I was only in Australia for like four weeks before I came to Japan. Because I left Florida already knowing I was coming to Japan. Like Japan was a done deal already before I left Florida. And then when I was in Australia, it was just a matter of like, you know, saying hi to the family and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> because I was my tickets were already booked for Japan. Okay. So it was just, you know, packing things and stuff like that. Um, thoughts and feelings? Uh, I mean, FCW was a very different experience to anything else in my career. And I think it's a very different to the performance center as far as I, the, the image that I'm getting is that, that, you know, the impression that I'm getting is that that's the case. Uh, it was still a very valuable experience. I think had I not gone to FCW, I wouldn't have come to Japan so quickly. Because remember, like, I'm still really, I was signing my rookie year right. to, to WWE, right? And then 2011 is basically like my time in WWE and FCW. Uh, sorry, in my time in FCW in Florida. So that's only the second year of my career. But the first year of my career is really just a training year. So 2012 is when I came to Japan. But I don't really think that I would have been able to come to Japan had I not gone to FCW, if that makes sense. I don't think that there would have been that opportunity. Oh, okay. So, so um, what was I? You know, when I was in FCW, Norman Smiley, I was in, his, I was in the office one day, and he asked me, he said, if you were released, like if they just released you, what would you do? And I remember immediately telling him, I'd wrestle. And he goes, really? And I said, yes, I'd wrestle because that's what I do. <laughs> and then when I was released, Norman actually called me and he goes, uh, you know, I remember you saying to me, if you were released, you would wrestle. And I said, well, yes, I'm still going to wrestle. And he goes, so what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm thinking of going to Japan because for me, I wanted to do the Japanese style of wrestling and there's no better way. The, the thing with wrestling, and this is kind of brutal, but it's true. The only way to get better is to get your ass kicked by people that are better than you. <laughs> like the only way to get better is to put yourself in a really uncomfortable situation, make everyday hell, be right. the worst person in the training camp, in the dojo, whatever, and grind it out and not give up. It's, this is not a healthy way to improve in the sense of like, <laughs> right. it's, not, it's not very encouraging. It's very much a mental grind, but that is the best way. And I believe in that. I, I, I believe in that approach. It's easier for me to say that now that I've come out at the end of it, of course. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, those... That beginning but, part, <laughs> it's like, whoa. Yeah. You know, that's a hard statement to make when you're in the middle of it, you know. And I guess it's anything. And Norman said to me, and I'll never forget this, he goes, you don't, don't go to Japan, you're not ready for Japan. And I said, well, I'm going to go anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um, and Norman, you know, Norman, I respect Norman a lot. He spent time in UWF here, right? And that, UWF at his time would have been the hardest thing in the world. Oh, yeah. Like, there would have been nothing in the world compared to that. Like, nothing. I have some stories that would, like, 
make people want to cry. But nothing I have to say could have compared to his time in UWF. Like, I think most people would have just would have just quit. So you know, he really knew what I, better than me what I was getting myself into. But I was hell hell bent on going, and you know, I was right. <laughs> When did you, uh, you know, first make the decision that you wanted to wrestle in the more Japanese style? And who was like sort of your first contact to, you know, to the industry out in that part of the world? So I, um, when I was at Lance's, he had a lot of wrestling tapes from everywhere. He has an entire library of, you know. DVDs and things like that and tapes and yeah from just you can borrow it while you're in camp go home because our routine was like we'd wake up we'd go to training come home have lunch um go to the gym and then in the evening we would watch some wrestling wake up the next day and do it over again right so in the evening we we would just watch we just watch random things like obviously pretty much everyone was like a diehard WWE or WWF fan but you know he lands is very much like that's awesome, and you know, watch that. And, but those are TV matches. You guys should watch things that, like, other things as well to see how people really work, right? Um, and I watched a lot of Japanese stuff, and from there learned a lot about like older, old Japan pro wrestling. But for me, you know, I watched WCW when I was a kid, but mainly just the women right. and the cruiserweights. Right. Yeah. So Chigusa Nagayo was, I think, like the first female wrestler I ever saw on TV, and she had like the face paint and zero, and um, it was Bumakano was there too, you know, face paint and, yeah. and that whole thing. And for me, I was just like, holy crap! Like this is so cool, from, <laughs> and I don't really know why, but like just that whole spectacle of it all, you know, like the 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 drama and and the like the looks and you see, everything was over the top, you know. Um, and that, I just thought that was really cool. So I was a huge fan of Satsumura Meiko and obviously Chikusa Nagayo. But, you know, by that time, Chikusa's definitely been retired for a long time. And she, while she runs a company now, she hadn't, she wasn't running anything at the time. Um, and my, you know, I, I spoke to a friend in, in, who was in WWE at the time who put me in contact with his Japanese friend in Calgary, actually, someone I knew who had a contact in Japan, and I'm not sure if you know this woman, but her name's Aliyah, and she just kind of passed, recently passed away a couple of years ago, I think. Okay. Um, and Aliyah said, okay, send me your stuff, and I'll send it to some companies here. And I went, okay, well, here's like two FCW TV matches and some promo photos, and let's see what happens. And from there, uh, the booker of Reina at the time, she sent me an email and said, hey, do you want to come for Reina? And I said, sure. And I actually, I think after that, I had other offers, but I was just going to take whatever the first thing came through the gate. Like, it, because for me, the first three months was just going to be like, okay, let's see how this goes type deal. Um, and then, yeah, and that's how it happened. And then I was still in Florida. They had booked my tickets, but I was in Florida. And Reina was like separating. Reina was separating and making a new company, Reina. And the new Reina uh, had a connection with Kansai Dojo at the time. So I came for 
the new Reina company. How is it like getting acclimated to, you know, going out to Japan, being part of uh, Reina? You know, th- that there is a, a difference in the style out there. Um, a lot of it can be a lot stiffer than maybe you've uh, already um, experienced. You know, what, what was it like getting acclimated to uh, Japan? Oh, God. That was like a whole other world. That was a whole other world because I, in FCW, I would go to, there's girls training, which is like, this was the FCW schedule. I have no idea what the performance center schedule looks like right now. So for whoever's listening to this, I'm just talking about FCW eight years ago, okay? Um, we would have Monday, Tuesday, girls would have like two to four or something like that. One to four, something like that. Uh, class, wrestling class. And then we would go to strength and conditioning. Wednesday was promo day, and Thursday was like t- TV day or FCW house show day. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday was live events, right? But I would go, after a while, I started to go into morning wrestling training and afternoon wrestling training as well in FCW. So I was kind of getting my ass kicked physically a lot. But when I came to Japan, it was a whole other level because Raymond Girls, I was in Raymond. The first three months I was here, well, sorry, like the first year I was here, I was a member of Raina. So meaning Raina and Kayentai Dojo would would be doing training in the same building and they would run shows out of the same building. So in the morning, 10 to like 1, 2, we would have Kayentai Dojo training, which is like an hour of condition, running, hour of conditioning, hour of bumps and rolls, and then an hour of drills, and matches but at a Japanese standard of doing things which is very different (laughs) and then we then the boys would be finished and they can kind of just like leave basically and then the girls we would have training we would have rainer training which is basically just bumps bumps and running the ropes from two to like Two, two or three to like six or seven. Okay. So it was literally like six, seven hours a day of bumps, <laughs> five days a week for a year straight. Woo. And it was like, and I do not recommend that. Like, but for whoever's listening, do not do that. That's just ridiculous. Like, that's asking for an injury. And in the early days of Reina, there, there a lot of girls were injured as well. Like, I will say that. Um, but you know, that's I when I came to Japan. You start from zero. They don't really care what you've done outside of Japan in the sense of like they don't your who you are and your career timeline starts basically when you get here. So I came to Japan as a rookie, and that you know I did it and never said a word, but. It's, yeah, I mean, that's brutal. <laughs> Way brutal. So acclimatizing it to that. And, like, the culture of women's wrestling in Japan is very different as well. And you're a foreigner and you don't speak the language and all that adds up. And especially in Reina at the time, um, you know, the psychology of matches is very different as well. So you just, like, it, it's, it's like taking things up going from zero to 100 in the sense of like what I'm doing on a daily basis. And I'm not going to say that I was very good at it at all at the time. Um, 
but that process, the process of doing that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember the Reina roster at the time, and I'm really the only one who's, inclu- including the Japanese girls on the roster at the time, who's really wrestling still, and wrestling a lot. So it makes you mentally conditioned as well. Okay. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. nothing is going to be any harder or more pressure or more demoralizing or more, you know, abusive, for lack of a better term, than that. And if you do that and you survive that, then you're, you're golden. Like, nothing, nothing really phases me anymore. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Definitely. How did you uh, get acclimated to just being in Japan? Um, yeah, well, I mean, you just do your best and you stick, stick around and you stay and you suffer through some of it. <laughs> and that, that's it. And rinse and repeat. Like a lot of this is kind of like, there's no, that's kind of it. I'm the only foreigner that's been here for seven years straight. And I'm often the only foreigner on the card at a show. And before I came here, I was the only foreigner that I knew that was in Japan outside of stardom, you know. Right. But stardom girls kind of come for three months and they leave. And and that's great. Like, I, if you can do that, that's awesome too. Um, but I've never known anyone else aside from myself that spent seven years in Japan. It's very different coming and doing a tour and then going and coming and being in the dojo and being a member of the roster and going through that system from what they call say, which basically means like a trainee to essentially a professional is an entirely different world so um, I think Awesome Kong was in Japan for like four or five years but that was before my time um, but aside from me and her I don't really know of anyone who's lived here and and being a member of the roster and work consistently for seven years. I, I've never, I don't know of anyone, any other female who's done that. So, um, how do you acclimatize to it? I don't know. <laughs> you just, you've got to be convinced that it's the right decision, right? Like, you've got to know based on nothing that what you're doing is right. And outside of just the wrestling, you know, how has all that time in Japan been for you is just, you know, personally, like what were, uh, why did you make the decision to just stay there? Well, I made the decision to stay there because of wrestling. Um, because I, I was a member of Reina for a year and then I became a freelance wrestler and I have, I have a lot of bookings and I work for a lot of different companies and it's, I think, Technically speaking, this is the highest level of wrestling in the world for women. And because, you know, the experience that I would have here is just, I think, the best. And it's also the style that I wanted to do. And because I've been part of Sendai Girls for so long, you know, like I've been on every Sendai Girls match for six years now. Yeah. So Satomura, obviously, you know, is a, is a big reason. All those things kind of added came together and that's why I stayed um outside of wrestling I don't really have a lot of things outside of wrestling <laughs> <laughs> uh, the life in, you know life in Japan is very different it's very much culture shock um but you know like I said like 
you've got to have that. You've got to know that it's the right decision, without really knowing that it's the right decision. <laughs> what you know? Were, was there anybody during the you know during your whole time in Japan that so you know someone who's been sort of a that was sort of a mentor to you? Was there yeah. anybody that you sort of look up to that well that really helped you out during this time? Oh, Satomura, Satomura Meiko, absolutely. Helped me out immensely. Um, I'm actually going to Sendai for um, for a month of training in like a week. I'm going to spend about five weeks down there every day in the dojo. Um, no, she did immensely, absolutely. Um, she's you know my coach and my boss, obviously, but also my mentor and someone who's I look up to style-wise and as a person and probably been my closest confidant as well in the business and in so many ways just made Alex Lee. So, yeah, her, definitely. How's it like being around her? Because she just gives off this, like, amazing just energy, just even watching her, like, on, you know, on video. You know, whenever I just see her, just, like, just an amazing energy comes off from her. She's pretty cool. Um, she's very like the best person, um, the be the best person, and she gives me a lot of freedom in the sense of like, Satomura will say omakase, which means like, I'll leave that up to you. Like, <laughs> I'll leave it to you. You know, you want to do this thing, like you want to do this promo. We're good. We're doing this promo, and I'll be like, okay, here's what I'm thinking, and it's just, I'll just say, okay, I'll leave this up to you. You know. Um, and it's nice to be trusted and ask for, you know, your opinions on things and advice and stuff like that. Because the thing with Satomura is, like, she's so – she's been wrestling, I want to say, for, like, 23 years now, right? right? And she's unquestionably the best in the world, for me, in, in a style. Right. Because wrestling is very much like, you know, it's like saying, what's the best movie in the world, right? I might like Disney, you might like horror. And they might make the same money, right? But really, like, what's the best out of those two? Well, it comes down to what you like, right? There isn't the one greatest movie in the world ever to rule them all, right? Because it's a matter of style and taste. Right. For me, in that style, I think she's the best in the world. She's been the best in the world. And Tatumura... Hey, I have no arguments about that at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I, I'm only saying that because there are amazing female performers, yeah. female wrestlers, and, you know, and, and a lot of people can have a different choice for that and be massively valid. But for what I like, um, which is the reason why, I, you know, I've been part of her company and trained with her for, like, six years now. So, yeah, she's pretty amazing. But she's also a hard ass. Like, there's a reason why Satomura is Satomura. Yeah. In the sense of, like, I like to do this, don't do that, you know, and if she, you know, if, you, if you're serious about what you do and you're serious, like, she will give you serious advice. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and not a lot of people can also take Sendai Girls. <laughs> you, uh, you know, like, if you've been following the business, you've seen a lot of people come and go over the years, right? And right. basically, me and Chisako are the only ones in the in the company that have been there consistently 
outside, I'm not counting Satomura because she's kind of the boss and it's her company. So, <laughs> like, right? I mean, of course she counts, but you know what I'm trying to say. It's like you're looking at everybody under her. Me and Chisako are the only ones left. <laughs> you know? Is there any wrestlers that you really like working with that you feel like you have good chemistry, you just have fun in being in the ring with? Uh, Kaoru, absolutely. Kaoru. Yeah. Like Jeb from Japanese Wrestlers, Kaoru. She's taught me immensely. Kaoru is a genius. <laughs> like, she really is. And people don't really realize this, but like, Kaoru trained Satomura. She trained a lot of people that, you know, she, she, Nagashima, Chikayo Nagashima, Asan Kokato. She trained a lot of people that have trained people now that you people watch and are vets. Like, she's kind of, you know, she was Gaia Japan, Japan's head trainer. And in so many ways, without Kaoru, the business wouldn't be what it is today. Like, the girls wouldn't be who they are today. And she's amazing. She's phenomenal. Like, just a genius. I can't, I can't speak highly enough of her. Like, I don't, if, if you were looking to hire someone in like a massive, in a big trainer role, I would take Kaoru, if I could get her. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, just a genius in, in, in that respect. And um, who else do I have a lot of chemistry with? Um, when Ray Lin was in Japan, I felt like I had a lot of chemistry with her. Yeah. Uh, and Nyla Rose. Yeah. Hell yeah, Nyla Rose. Nyla and I, we've done like these Broadway matches, like draws in different <laughs> cities. Like we've had like three full time limit draws. They've gone the distance. Um, and it's just been the best of fun. Nyla is an amazing performer. And I, because we're just so different as well that it's like when you put it together, it just clicks. Satomura, of course, as well, but it's kind of hard to have a bad outing with her. Oh, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm also, like, people use the word chemistry a lot. I don't know if I really, like, believe in the sense of chemistry, like, in, in the way that it's used, because I feel that if you have two people that are professionals and they want to do their best, together there's no reason why it shouldn't work being that you've been a part of you know sendai girls for the past uh, six years you've been out there for seven years you um the the history of of joshi like has been around for decades there's been you know it's ups and downs but you, there's been huge arena you know, shows back in the 80s, you had these big stars like the Crush Girls who totally blew, yeah. through, blew up through pop culture, you know. When you when you think of, like, being a part of, like, the, the history of this sort of wrestling, you know, what do you think about, you know, how do you feel about that? Um, well, I'm not going to compare myself to the Crush Girls, that's for sure. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I know what you mean. Um, it's very humbling, and I, I still feel like I am the project in process in the sense that there's so many things that I want to do, like that Japan was a big chapter, but I feel like the next chapter of my career is going to be even bigger. And that being said, I don't want to take 
anything away from this time. It's humbling, but at the same time, it also does make me a little bit sad because the reason is is because people, you know, the things you mentioned, like the Tokyo Dome show, when you know Aja main evented Tokyo Dome show and that time, that's all in the past. Yeah, and that's what makes me sad because. I have worked for every company here with every major talent, everybody I've been in the ring with, uh, with every major talent. So meaning like if someone's made a debut in the last two or three years, maybe I haven't worked with them, but people that have been wrestling, you know, vets, I've worked with them. Right. And I've worked for every single Joshi company in Japan. And I know, I'll tell you this unequivocally, talent-wise, there is so much talent here. There is the same amount of talent as it was back in the day. Yeah. And there are enough girls here that can go and really go like the, on the level that you need them to do a Tokyo Dome show in a lot of companies. But we don't have Tokyo Dome shows anymore. We don't have Zenjo or All Japan Women's Wrestling anymore. And that makes me really sad because, you know, the guys still have it. <laughs> right. Right? Like the guys still have it. And it saddens me a little bit because I know no, nobody can say, like in 2019 in Japan, nobody can say it's because the girls aren't as good as the guys because we all know that's crap. They are. They, in so many oh. ways, they're even better. Yes. And, yeah, and no one can say because it's not you know, creatively interesting because I feel like we have more drama. <laughs> you know, like there's more real emotion in Joshi wrestling. There's more like real feeling in it. But as an industry, just looking at it as a business as a whole, it's definitely smaller than the men's. And that really saddens me because while I love the history of Joshi and, you know, talking about this and being part of, you know, seven years of living in this country, working everyone, you are kind of part of that in a way. Um, you know, I don't. I want to do a show in Tokyo Dome. I want to do a show in Budokan. Now I want to do it now. I want to do it next year. You know, like I don't want to. I want to say that. Oh, we're part of a legacy that did that once upon a time. You know. Why do you think there? You know, there isn't those Tokyo Dome shows anymore for the women. You know, there's always those, there's always these um, debates that come up on like Twitter where people be like, "Oh, I think uh, New Japan should have a women's division," and then the pro like Joshi fans are like, "But then that might, uh, you know, they might raid the whole Joshi scene and kind of kill the Joshi scene." You know, sort of like, what's your thoughts about that? Of if New Japan had a women's division? Yeah, that or and why why there isn't the the big Tokyo Dome shows anymore for 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 the women, like what well, what happened? Um, well, all Japan had a TV contract. All Japan Women's Wrestling had a TV contract. Right. So it meant that, you know, the girls that were on the Tokyo Dome show at the time were megastars in Japan, and it was also the Cafe Vera as well, and all that made a difference. But mainly, all Japan had a TV contract. Yeah. And so when you when you were saying like, okay, person X is a star in Joshi World right now, 
let's just if you put her in an era where she's on TV for all Japan, she's a star times 100, right? Okay, yeah. So that's that is a massive factor because I'm on Samurai TV and Gallery TV when I work shows that they take, right? And Nikuni Code Channel. That's basically a, the free Nikuni Code Channel is a web based yeah. content channel. But Samurai TV and Gallery TV is basically the same thing, right? But what they do is they just go and they tape an event and they put it on TV, right? We yeah. don't have TV style wrestling in a sense of the angles that happen, they happen at the events, they happen at the arena. So if, if I'm working something in Osaka and I get on the mic and I got a promo on someone in Osaka, the angle is there for Osaka and then it continues at the next event. So, or sometimes it doesn't, depending on where you are. Because if I do something in Osaka, right, the fans in Tokyo haven't seen it or the fans in Niigata haven't seen it, right? Yeah. And they haven't seen it, you know, maybe they've seen it on YouTube, but they probably haven't, right? So there isn't that continuation between angles and storylines across a wide audience, that, which is what you need TV for. Um, so TV is one big thing, and it's the reason as to why we don't have TV and why there's you know so many smaller companies as opposed to that one big all Japan women's company is a lot of factors. I mean, we can get into that, but it will take forever. Booking <laughs> is a big thing. Booking is a massive thing. It's very hard to get a lot of companies to cooperate with each other, especially in the Joshi world, because there's very much a sense of like, if I send my star over here, I want them to look amazing and that's it, the end. Because if they yeah. don't, then that damages my company. And therefore, I'm not going to risk it. So I'm not going to cooperate. And then everybody has that mentality. And then because of that, you don't have, you know, you don't have massive angles and you don't have massive rivalries anymore. And they're not on TV. So right. those, those factors together adds up to no, like there not being a chance for something big like the Tokyo Dome anymore. But even not just the Tokyo Dome, like Tokyo Dome is, is obviously like massive, but you still have arenas like Ryogoku which is Sumo Hall Arena, Ryogoku Arena, which is huge. Yeah. And Budokan. Budokan is like probably the best arena that I've ever been to. It's just made to watch combat sports. There isn't a, there isn't a bad seat in the house in Budokan. And how the sound travels and how it's designed, like it's part of the Imperial Palace in Tokyo um, grounds. I mean, also like the, the history behind that and how the building looks like it is the coolest place in the world. I think so. You know, Korakuen Hall obviously has a lot of that intensity as well, and yeah. super famous. But I would recommend to people, if, you know, I know that New Japan has just recently, kind of from what, since last year, started doing Budokan shows again. But for, for fans of watching this, if you ever get a chance to watch like a big show in Budokan, I encourage you to go because it's just like it's just an amazing experience. Um, but Joshi, we don't really do those shows either. And a lot of that is, you know, some of the reasons that I've just said. And it's also, you know, it's going to it's gonna take a TV contract and it's going to take a change in booking. And, you know, the development of something the size of all Japan again and putting all those factors together, I think. Right. I, I mean, I believe I believe it will happen. 
because I want to believe it'll happen because <laughs> I love the fans. I love Joshi fans and I love the fact that like, you know, I'm not against the internet chatter. I know a lot of wrestlers, they'll never say it, but you know, publicly, but privately, they'll, most of them really just feel like people should just go and enjoy the product, watch it and that's it. Yeah. I don't mind people talking on the internet, right? I don't mind them wanting to be kind of closer to the business, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. But a lot of it is nostalgia talk and you know, that's cool. That's absolutely cool. But for me, for someone who's in the business now, I, I really just want to go forward. I want to, I want the conversation to change from how do we do this in 2020? You know, how do we do it again in 2020? And how do we pull it off? Because we can't do it without the fans, right? So I, I love the fans for loving the history of Joshi. Thank you so much. But yo, like let's let's move it forward. I want the conversation to be Budokan 2020, Tokyo Dome 2020. You know, I want them to start talking about that because if they do, I feel like that could be a grassroots movement for something to happen in the future because. Most of the time when people talk about my business, like they talk about it with like, oh, it was so great back in the day and now it's oh, so yeah. okay, you know? And that's <laughs> very frustrating for me because, oh, yeah. I, you know, I'm still in it now and I, I don't want it, that conversation to be about that. Not, I love it as much as you guys do. I'm, I'm still a fan, you know? Like I'm a fan first in many ways, but I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go back and watch all that stuff and like think about how great it was because A, I've seen it and I know it was great, but I want to do it now <laughs> again, you know? Right. And, and I know like in some of the, the, the companies that, um, you know, the, the, the men's companies, you know, you have DDT that will do uh, some things with, uh, you know, the women that they have under the umbrella with uh, um, Joki, Tokyo jo um, Joshi Pro. And then, yeah. be, you know, in Satomaro, she always, you know, she's regularly doing matches with um, with guys. And like, there's, like I said before, there's always this debate, should New Japan have a women's division? You know, that, and to me, that's like sort of like New Japan sort of like... People are trying to like. You know, I feel like people are trying to sort of bring that Western idea of the wrestling business to New Japan since they're already kind of going mm -hmm. that way. You know, what's your thoughts about that? Do you think like it would help to have a women's division in a company like New Japan? Um. Well, traditionally speaking, you have very much a, a separation between men's wrestling and women's wrestling. Right. Japan, right. You always had forever. There's always been men's companies and women's companies. And a lot of that is cultural and a lot of that is wrestling cultural, meaning like we, this is how we do things and we've done them for 50 years, right? Right. FMW back in the day had a women's division, right? Yes. Where FMW was a massive men's company, but they had a women's division and they were on fire. And they had stars like Megumi Kudo. Is, is comes to mind, right? Yeah. Where she was a female star and also genuinely a star in FMW, right? Yes. So people will come to FMW to see her, even though you had Onita, you know, and, and you, unquestionably like. Onita. So, should New Japan have a women's division? Ugh. I'm not gonna say no to more women's wrestling, right? Right. Anything that is making more women's wrestling, I'm 
in principle for it. Now, I don't know if if they had like if they just hired like thirty girls tomorrow, right? Are you going to put them in semis events? Are you going to make them a main event of Tokyo Dome? Are you going to push them as much as you do Tanahashi and Okada? Like, right. probably the answer is no, right? But I don't, I don't really think it would hurt. I, don't, I think a lot of the, the on the minus side of that is that I believe the fans think that if New Japan had a women's division, it's basically how you'd just be killing independent wrestling, women's wrestling in Japan. Right? Right. Because everyone will go, and that's not the case. I do not believe that at all. I don't think, to be honest, most most of the Joshi stars probably wouldn't go. <laughs> right? Because, um, and I don't see New Japan wanting to hire them either. So if they were to do something like that, they would probably just do a, start an entirely new roster. Right? Like right. start kind of like, you know, like the brand Next, which was supposed to be like the up-and-coming brand for New Japan, so, you know, the Next title, right? Right. I would think I would, my image would be that they would do something like that, right. where they would just start a new New Japan sub-brand of women's wrestling, and they would just hire new faces that you haven't seen and train them in the dojo and make them debut and stuff like that. Um, it wouldn't, it would, it would not kill Joshi at all because. Um, Joshi fans are beyond loyal. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, they, there are people, you know, I, and I know some faces that I have seen at every single one of my shows for six years. And I'm a freelancer, so it means, like, if you pay money to see me in Reina, you pay money to see me in Sendai Girls and Oz Academy, right? You're, not, you're coming to support me and watch my matches irrespective of the company, right? And there are fans like that. Yeah. So... I don't think that New Japan having a women's division would hurt anybody. It would make no no difference to the companies here. Um, maybe it would, you know, if New Japan men's New Japan fans saw women in New Japan, maybe they'll go, "Oh, women wrestle. Well, I want to see some more girls wrestling. What else is on this weekend?" You know. Um, so I, as far as like it having a bad effect on Joshi, absolutely not, because most talent probably wouldn't go, <laughs> and New Japan wouldn't want most of the established talent, and it's also an entirely different product. Like the wrestling, the women's wrestling you've seen in New Japan, while I'm sure it would be good, it would be five six minutes second match or third match. Yeah, I don't see anything for many years, you know, at the level of a semi-main events type thing, you know? Right. Whereas we've been doing that forever. It's very different when you're... Uh, it's, it's a different job to... Okay, like... On Saturday, Sunday... When was it? God, what? Sunday, I was in a main event in Sendai Girls. And it's very different when you're in the main event in an all-women's company and you're going out there to be in that main event because... People paid money to see you in that main event and, and everybody else too, right? It's a right. different type of responsibility as opposed to you coming to a men's company and you're the second or the third match because can you really say that that's the reason why fans pay to come to the building? Well, maybe, but 
not as much as you can say they paid to come see the main event. Right. Uh, well, I think that people come... I do think that people pay to go to a wrestling show to see the whole show. I absolutely do. I'm still of the opinion that the main event is the main reason. You know, I still, I still do think that the later you get to the card, the more... Uh, the more drawing power those people have. I, I still believe in that concept. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely, definitely. Now, then, now, that being said, like, you can't just make a show with just one match. Like, it doesn't work like that. Right. When, so, yeah. when, when yeah. you think about it, you know, your, um, your wrestling career, you know, what do you hope is next for you? And then, you know, is there anything that you're looking down the future outside of wrestling that you would like to do? Uh, outside of wrestling? Uh, okay, well, first question. Next thing down in Korea, I would like to go back to America, you know, kind of like a bigger capacity. So that is what I'm hoping is next. Um, outside of wrestling, oh, God, I don't know. Um, I want to run my own business, I think, establish my own company. Maybe work in talent management. I think that, you know, I, I train in an MMA gym in Japan and kickboxing, and I know a lot of, like, it's a top gym in Japan, and a lot of the Ryzen fighters and Shooter Japan fighters, and some guys have even go to the UFC. And it's like a lot of the problems they come up against is sports entertainment problems. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it sings about... Make no mistake about it, MMA copies wrestling ridiculously in a sense of yeah. the product. Like, you know, they have heels and they have baby faces just the same. Oh, definitely, <laughs> um, definitely. And a lot, I think that there are a lot of people in different sports that don't, maybe don't see that in the sense of that if it's on, on TV and people are paying money for the content, it's sports entertainment. Whatever the uh, whatever the style of sports entertainment it is, right? So I think that I would have value to offer to people that are looking for to be fighters, wrestlers, sports entertainers in a form of talent management. I maybe want want to do that, like set up my own talent management company, but probably just run my own business and have lots of kids. <laughs> um, after wrestling, um, but for me, I think like that's still, God willing, a little bit down the track. How, how do you feel like you know women's wrestlers like um, sort of balance you know or even just um, sort of plan their life in wanting to have a family? You know, is there a way a around any of that? Uh very hard. Most girls, you know, in Japan has a culture of, like, when you get married, you retire, basically. Uh, which I'm sure is not news for you, because that's why we have announcements of people getting married and things like that. I, I think it's, you know, can you really plan it? I don't know. I I've, I've don't really plan anything in my life anymore, because... I make a plan and then God messes my shit up all the way, <laughs> yeah. you know? Right. So I've just capped out. Like, I'm just like, okay, I've accepted. I'm now going to win this. So I go and do the thing that feels right to do at the time and just go down that road because 
you know, they're they're def like biologically speaking, I can't do this and have children for the same amount of time that a guy can. And I'm not, you know, I'm a, I'm a feminist. I, I'm not putting myself down by any stretch of the imagination. We're just talking biology, yeah. right? You're a guy. You could wrestle at 45 and have kids. I can't do that, right? I got to take the year off to have the baby. So, uh, planning wise, I, you really you got to do the thing that make you feel is the most right, and that your soul is most at peace with doing, until the end. And then do the next thing, and I think that goes for life as well. Because while I really, you know, Sakura Hirota, for example, she travels with the twins a lot with the babies, and I think that woman's living the life. <laughs> she wrestles. She's, you know, like her match is always entertaining and they're funny and there's no, there's not the pressure and the drama. Yeah. You know, I'm talking like backstage. And then she has the kids and they're just so cute. You know, like they're on the road with her and. Like, I just think, man, like, how did you do that? Like, you, you, but she is the only one I know that does that. And I know that there are moms in the business, and I just can't fathom the idea of doing both. Like, I don't know how I would do that. I, I, I can't imagine it. <laughs> um, if there was some sort of miracle way for me to do it, I would. Um, but it's hard, you know? Like, unbelievably hard. Planning wise, yeah, I don't, I don't plan anything anymore. I don't because <laughs> God messes up my crap. <laughs> All right, I always, um, I always like to end my uh, interviews for this podcast with the same uh, question. I gave it to you ahead of time to think about it, and yeah. that uh, question is: Who is somebody that um, I should interview for this podcast that would uh, have some good stories or lessons to talk about? Um, Nyla, Nyla Rose. Yeah. Hayam, uh, Hayam definitely Hayam, and um, Krayre, Rachel. Okay. Yeah, you can probably tell them Alex sent you. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I'm sure they'll give you an interview. Well, Alex, it's been great talking with you. Where can um? People go online to uh, follow what you're doing. Uh, my Twitter and Instagram at Alex Lee Sekai. All right, that was my interview with Alex Lee. More information are in the show notes at freshesthepodcast.com to where you can follow Alex Lee online. And then I also made a little uh, YouTube playlist of some of her matches that you can check out. So uh, that's another interview in the books. We've got some good stuff in the future for you to listen to. And remember, go out there and live life with intensity with a capital 10. All right, goodbye and good night. Fresh is the word.